Welcome to the April 2019 edition of the RehabCast, where we're going to be talking with Dr. Ghazala Salim. Dr. Salim is postdoctoral research fellow in the Brain Injury Research Center at Johns Hopkins Kennedy Krieger Institute. Dr. Salim and her colleagues have published Transcranial Direct Current Stimulation in Pediatric Motor Disorders, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. We're going to dive into the growing evidence base for the pediatric motor TDCS with Dr. Salim shortly. There was an electric feeling throughout much of April's mega medical headlines. Among them, the FDA's first non-drug treatment for ADHD, an external trigeminal nerve stimulator made by NeuroSigma, a UCLA-based double-blind sham-controlled trial involving 62 adolescents was published in the journal Psychiatry. It demonstrated statistically significant gains in both the ADHD rating scale and the clinical global impression scale. Now, despite the device's apparent efficacy, it's not known exactly how the nerve stimulation relieves ADHD symptoms. But as reported by MedPage Today, imaging studies have shown that ETNS boosts activity in the brain regions known to be important in regulating attention, emotion, and behavior. The electricity kept flowing throughout the month of April. There was also the unexpected news that DBS, now a commonly available treatment for severe essential tremor, has been implanted in a patient with a moderate traumatic brain injury who recovered good function, but still dealt with the lingering effects of fatigue and memory impairment. Neurosurgeon Jamie Henderson at Stanford implanted the device in a study with collaborators including Nicholas Schiff of Cornell and Joseph Giacino of Harvard. As reported in the New York Times, the woman improved gradually, and by three months, she was consistently scoring about 15% better than she had previously on standardized tests of attention, planning, and executive function. She also reported 70% less fatigue on a standard measure and no longer had to take daily afternoon naps like she had before. Previously, brain injury DBS studies have involved a small number of patients with disorders of consciousness with mixed results. Should DBS be proven as a viable option for such symptoms as fatigue and mild cognitive impairment, a vast new market could open up for DBS with major implications for the healthcare system. And finally, in our news roundup, the month of April also brought major news for the field of brain-computer interfaces, as a team at UCSF reported progress in a kind of lip-reading speech synthesizer that's not reading lips, but the cortical EEG patterns associated with the motor production of speech. Using electrocorticography in patients who were preparing for surgical epilepsy treatment and having these patients read hundreds of sentences aloud, this team was able to design a computer program that could learn from the corticography signals the words. Here's a human voice followed by the computer synthesized voice reading only the EEG signal. The proof that you are seeking is not available in books. The proof that you are seeking is available in books. That's pretty impressive. And now it's time for our featured interview. Joining us now on the rehab cast is Dr. Ghazala Salim. Her study out with her group at uh, Kennedy Krieger is Transcranial Direct Current Stimulation in Pediatric Motor Disorders. It's a systematic review and a meta-analysis. Dr. Salim, thanks for joining us on the rehab cast today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Very good. Now, to start out with, I see you have a, a doctorate in education. 
Uh, perhaps we see a little bit less of that in the rehabilitation literature. Tell us about, about your background and, uh, uh, and, and what the significance is for that and, and your pediatric rehabilitation research. So yes, uh, you're right. You do not see um, as many doctorate of education in rehabilitation. However, uh, Teachers College at Columbia University usually grant um, doctorate of education um, to movement scientists in motor control and learning. And that's what um, my primary background is. I'm going to just um, um, give you a little bit more detail um, sure. um, about my background. Uh, so I actually graduated from Columbia University as an occupational therapist, and I started working um, after my graduation. I started working as a um, as an occupational therapist in a neurorehabilitation setting, and I. Um, worked with patients with stroke and worked with patients with traumatic brain injury. And while working as a clinician, um, I realized that uh, while most of the occupational therapy interventions um, though robust in bringing about the quality of change in the lives of many people, um, do not have that rigor of evidence-based support um, and lack that evidence-based support. And this realization motivated me to pursue a career in research. And I joined the, and um, since most of my um, interventions were motor learning based that I, I was using as a clinician, I, was, I became interested in the motor control movement sciences programs and decided to go back to Columbia for my doctorate in motor control and learning. And as I mentioned that Columbia, I don't know why, because usually is very um, science driven profession, movement sciences, and you would expect to see maybe um, a PhD or SCD in movement sciences, but I think this is the tradition uh, just because Teachers College is known for um, as a college for education and, um, and they, this is their, um, I think, tradition to award um, doctorate of education to movement scientists. Anyhow, I, um, I graduated uh, with this research doctorate. What led up to uh, doing my transcranial direct current stimulation study is that while I was working in the motor control learning lab, I saw um, transcranial magnetic stimulation be, being administered to children with cerebral palsy. And I developed this interest in neuromodulation. Um, and that sort of lead to, um, you know, my postdoctoral fellowship and then this study that, that got published in the archives. Excellent. And as, as you relate, there is, uh, there's certainly been more work in the adult population, more of this literature. I suppose this is kind of typical for pediatric versus adult research, regardless of the condition, that it's, uh, there's going to be, uh, you know, perhaps some, some things start out in, in children, certainly, but uh, with general techniques like this, certainly true in the rehab literature, uh, often there's a smaller literature. And uh, this is the the first, uh, as I understand it, systematic review of the motor control literature uh, related to TDCS in the pediatric population. Is that right? 
That is correct. And you are absolutely right that you see a lot of neuromodulation studies in adults. And um, we have seen a lot of positive studies um, with adult motor disorders, um, specifically um, stroke. And uh, we have seen that um, TDCS enhances uh, motor control functioning in adults. Um, uh, but you, you do not see as many studies in the pediatric literature. And what motivated me to do this review is that I was actually looking for um, transcranial direct current stimulation, um, systematic review and meta-analysis um, in something that I could find that uh, would tell me that what is um, you know, how beneficial TDCS is in this population. And I couldn't come across any um, systematic review or meta-analysis. Um, and that motivated me to do this meta-analysis to see that how beneficial, how um, how significant TDCS is in children with pediatric motor disorders and whether it is safe um, in children with motor disorders. So yeah, that that is right. As far as the mechanics of a meta analysis, is that is that something you had done before? No, I've not. Uh, so um, this is really interesting. I um, when I started looking for TDCS literature in children, I came across some narrative reviews, but um, they were not as rigorous as a meta analysis. And um, I, you know, I just joined my postdoc. I um, asked my mentor if I could do a meta-analysis and um, she was very pleased with it and I said that um, I will be learning a new technique. Um, so, you know, it was, uh, it was a lofty task, but um, I'm, I'm fortunate that uh, we have uh, uh, quite a few resources at uh, Johns Hopkins and Kennedy Krieger um, that I could take advantage of. Uh, at that time, I could take advantage of. And I, um, you know, I learned these new techniques and um, collaborated with some um, librarians here uh, who uh, you know, helped me become familiar with um, uh, with the software uh, review manager. Uh, that's by Cochrane, and um, it was um, you know once I learned the technique, it became very uh, relatively easy to uh, put together a meta analysis. Yeah, I was interested to, to read in your in your methods here that there that there was kind of meta analysis software to kind of help uh, people you know keep track of all this uh, nowadays, and, and that's good. Sure. Sure, sure. It came in very handy. It's uh, it it's more efficient. I'm I'm very familiar with um, statistics programs like Stata and SPSS, and some you know, usually you know Stata is used to perform uh, to um, uh, do these forest plots. But um, I I could say this from experience now that um, Review Manager is very very effective tool. Uh, it's very simple to use, and um, you know the output of the the pictures and the quality is great so um, yeah highly recommended very good so talking about pediatric 
movement disorders, motor disorders, certainly uh, a bulk of that population is going to be CP, and that was reflected in your uh, study, at least all those TDS studies that you could that you could find. Um, you're looking at a variety of different types of diagnoses, certainly just other causes of muscle tone and posture issues and so forth. Were you surprised, though, that, that it was mostly CP literature, and am I characterizing that, that correctly? Exactly how much was it? Yes, you are. Um, I was not surprised. Um, coming into that review, I sort of knew that there are there's a lot of published literature on cerebral palsy versus some other disorders. And specifically, when you start looking for neuromodulation, um, the studies become fewer and fewer. So it's um, uh, just... Um, you know, I, I was anticipating that. What I was looking more for, if I could find studies that are um, sort of standardized across on their motor, uh, motor outcomes, and, you know, if I could find data points um, uh, that are the that are same um, in two or more studies, so, uh, and motor outcomes that I could find, um, you know, similar motor outcomes in two or more studies, because that's really what you need to uh, conduct a meta-analysis. So I, um, you know, and that's one of the things I have noted for future considerations um, in the systematic review and meta-analysis for um, studies to provide um, data points and um, means and standard deviations and also studies um, to use uh, function and motor outcomes um, in, in uh, you know, when they are conducting um, their studies and use NIH uh, common data elements. So yes, so in response to your question, no, I was not surprised. Mm -hmm. and, and you sought uh, information from all sources, uh, including something called the, the gray literature. What is the gray literature? <laughs> uh, thank you for asking that question. It's, um, uh, so it's uh, the conference proceedings abstracts that are not um, in their true manner uh, peer reviewed. So um, you know we uh, we wanted to include this uh, because it's mentioned um, in um, you know as I have noted in my systematic review, it's uh, you know one of the uh, Cochrane handbook mentioned it to include it to reduce publication bias. Um, and uh, to include um, data that is from other sources other than uh, peer-reviewed studies. Um, so it's, uh, I believe it's important to um, include data from other sources besides peer-reviewed studies just for the reason that I mentioned is to reduce publication bias and to see that if we could include um, data that is that may not be uh, pointing to positive effects of TDCS or um, uh, you know that could provide us a more broader a broader view of uh, TDCS um, response on motor outcomes. So that's why we included it, and that is what gray literature is, is, the, is essentially um, those studies, as you have, um, you know, as you must have seen, we have inclu also included a letter to the editor 
and um, that is obviously you know it's not considered um, uh, peer-reviewed or abstracts are not considered peer-reviewed so but we um, you know we have noted it as one of our um, you know um, limitations as well that you know um, when you are interpreting results from these data uh, you should you know it warrants caution because obviously it's not peer-reviewed but um, at the same time you know, it's important, I believe, to include these data. And one of your chief findings uh, right, at, right at the top of the bat appears to be the general safety of use of TDSCS in, in this population. And in fact, there were, there were very few dropouts across all the, the studies and very few adverse events um, reported. Can you discuss that with us? That is correct. And TDCS has been um, documented as uh, one of the um you know um a, a safe neuromodulation technique um across both adults and children and um that is what we expected as well and that is consistent with existing literature um we um adult studies have shown that tdcs is very safe in other forms of brain injury for example stroke um pediatric literature has shown a safety the narrative reviews that I have studied it has shown its safety in neuropsychiatric uh, disorders uh, in children. And um, um, going into this systematic review, that's what we anticipated, that we would not find um, a lot of adverse effects of TDCS, um, and that's what we found. Is it correct to state that in none of those, uh, none of the kind of randomized trials or you know properly published trials that were done were any seizures reported, but there was just one in that gray literature of a child who had recently stopped a seizure drug and started another drug that could have lowered threshold and things like that. Yes, that is correct. So theoretically, you know, it's it's a form of um, non-invasive brain stimulation and the risk exists of having a seizure with TDCS, but so far in literature, um, uh, seizures have not been reported uh, with the use of TDCS, and this is just one letter to the editor um, that has reported, and there are several confounding factors, as we have noted, in this child. So to actually state that TDCS uh, actually, um, you know, was the, resulted in uh, seizure in this child because, you know, the child was taking, as you have pointed out, the child was taking uh, medications that was, uh, that one of the medication was stopped and also, um, you know, one of the side effects of one of the medication that the child was taking at that time was to induce seizures. So, um, uh, you know, to, to say that TDCS is a safe technique um, in children, um, you know, as our meta-analysis um, has indicated. Um, uh, it's it's um, consistent with literature. And just to elaborate a little bit more, uh, right now, you know, I have designed a clinical trial that I am um, that is going to look at the safety, tolerability, and feasibility of. TDCS in children with disorders of consciousness using um, electroencephalography or EEG biomarkers. And this will be the first time that TDCS is going to be used in children. We have an approved IRB for this uh, for this study, and we are currently in the recruiting phase. Um, and I'm really excited about this clinical trial because I think that, um, you know, we will be able to uh, directly reach those targeted areas that, that are 
injured in this uh, population with the use of TDCS. So, um, you know, this uh, meta-analysis has really uh, given us the strength to do this uh, trial, the findings of this meta-analysis, and uh, we will be using TDCS in this medically vulnerable population. So, so yeah, we are excited. Yeah, I'm sure the experience of uh, closely scrutinizing so much prior uh, work uh, is helping you design a better trial yourself and comparing and contrasting different techniques and so forth. That is correct. That is correct. Have you decided on a particular montage for, for that work uh, and the parameters and everything? Or are you going to uh, try a couple of different ones or what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually going to use the anodal um anodal montage, um TDCS montage. Um and um with this trial I'm specifically looking at to target dorsolateral prefrontal cortex to um induce um basic um responsiveness in children, but our plan is to expand this trial in moderate and severe brain injury uh, in children with moderate and severe brain injury and to target actually primary motor cortex as well with transcranial direct current stimulation in this moderate and severe brain injury uh, pediatric population. Um, so we uh, we will eventually end up using um, a few different montages, but um, uh, the plan is to use anodal, um, you know, which is uh, the right protocol uh, for uh, in, in this context. Okay, very good. Now, um, back to this study, you know, much of the work was on gait dynamics, uh, you know, rather than the upper body, but there were some promising results for that as well. In terms of gait, uh, there were some aspects improved and, and not others. Um, mm -hmm. what, was your, what was your take on, on that? And, and do you have thoughts as to, as to why uh, the TTCS is showing uh, more effect on, on some of the gait parameters, but not others? Yes, so as we have noted that TDCS improved uh, velocity, cadence, stride length, um, and I believe that step length and step width uh, didn't improve. And I, um, you know, the, as we have noted in our discussion, that um, the reason was that, um, you know, velocity primarily primarily improved, and that had its effect uh, secondarily on cadence and stride length. Um, so, um, our, our um, thoughts were that, um, you know, um, DDCS was able to um, improve um, uh, velocity, which is, you know, we, we, which is consistent with prior literature as well. Um, but um, uh, TDCS, um, we did not see any positive effects on um, step length and step width. Um, and um, you know, like I mentioned, that um, velocity was the was the primary factor that got improved, and it had its effect on cadence and stride length. Mm -hmm. um, there were some positive studies for upper limb spasticity as well. Correct. Um, and then um, uh, one of the things I thought was quite interesting was some of the concepts that uh, you know some of the vagaries of or the techniques of TDCS uh, might be a little bit different uh, for the for the pediatric population, perhaps even the pediatric dosing of, of TDS may be more appropriate. What would you say are the chief differences that, that are being noted uh, in, in the parameters of TDCS and how it should be done in, in this population? Yes, yeah, so, um, you know, thank you for asking this question, and I think it's so import important to emphasize that, you know, TDCS is a very, um, 
easy technique to use but it could also be misused and um, specifically you know in children so we need to be very very cautious and careful when using TTCS um, in the pediatric population because the same current intensity that is um, you know the same current intensity could be stronger and has a wider spread in a child's brain as compared to an adult's brain um, and that's um, that's I think a very very significant difference and I believe that you know the same um it's it's uh like our um tdcs trial that i've just mentioned in children with acquired brain injury we are doing it as a dose escalation trial because we believe that it's so important to know that what's the optimal dosage and what's the safe dosage in children um because tdcs parameters can differ uh from adults to to children and, and in general the, the the dose might need to be a bit lower correct correct but you know um you know it, it goes back to that point that tdcs um you know it has shown safety up to four milliamperes in adults and um you know and one thing we i should also note here the tdcs effects is not they are not always linear so it doesn't mean that if you apply two milliampere is going to give you a better outcome or a better response so um it's um you know the uh, and then again you know maybe staying within the say if we if you want to stay with a lower dosage it, it couldn't might it may not be effective so considering you know all of those factors and what your population is um you know what the 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 safety um, of you know as uh, we have noted in our meta analysis 1 to milliampere um of tdcs has been uh, shown to be safe in children and it has also been shown to be effective um specifically uh, with regards to gate variables so um it's um you know it's important to be very mindful when using tdcs in children and the dosages um, uh, going back to the mechanics of conducting a meta-analysis, I saw that you in your trial reached out to people when you didn't have the data the necessary to do the proper comparisons and something seemed to have been left out of even a randomized controlled trial. Did you have to do that a lot? Um, yes, it's again going back to what I have mentioned earlier. Uh, we didn't have to, luckily we didn't have to do that a lot and um, the scientists were very responsive. Um, and they, um, you know, we corresponded with them and they uh, provided, um, some of the scientists provided their data for us. But again, you know, um, those data points, those data elements, means and standard deviation are so important to include in this study um, because that would, um, you know, um, that would um, get researchers to do meta-analysis um, effectively and efficiently. So, um, yeah, luckily we did, did not have to do uh, a whole lot of that and we got lucky, we got fortunate that scientists responded to us and provided their data. Um, but but it's, it's crucial to, uh, to have those elements uh, in the study. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I thought it was fascinating some of the details of the things that, that were left out. You mentioned here that neurostimulant medications, that was only reported in, in one study out of, of everything that you looked at. That's kind of wild. Yes, and neurostimulant medications can be a big confounder uh, with um, neuromodulation, um, inter neuromodulatory interventions. And um, yes, I was surprised as well that uh, it was left out. Um, and I should um, 
you know it's uh, i should note that um you know including um including that uh, what what medications participants were taking at the time of the study that uh, was conducted is very very important specifically in regards to uh, neuromodulatory intervention because those can be big confounders and we do not know that what true results are um so um yes well, fantastic. Well, I know there's much more we could discuss uh, regarding this study, but I think that's a good overview and taster and teaser for people. They can go, certainly go turn to the pages of the archives to get more in-depth. I'm glad that uh, it was motivating for you to start this uh, innovative research on DOC, TDCS, and the pediatric population. I look forward to seeing the results on that. Uh, well, Dr. Selene, thank you for joining us in the rehab cast today. Um, uh, it was our pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It, it was great um, talking about my our systematic review in meta-analysis, and I, um, you know, I would like to thank my team, um, you know, um, other researchers, my mentor, um, Dr. Stacy Siskauer, um, who was there uh, to provide me uh, to to provide me support, and I'm grateful for that. Excellent. That'll do it for this April wrap-up edition of the Rehab Cast. Join us again next month as we explore the May issue. Join us in Chicago this fall for ACRM 2019, the largest interdisciplinary rehabilitation conference in the world. The main core conference and pre-conference instructional courses deliver six jam-packed days of evidence-based educational content for the whole rehab team, as well as patients and their caregivers. Please visit acrm.org for more information and follow hashtag ACRM2019.